0: I am here with Steph, who is, this is part two. We talked about media as the fourth estate last time you were on the pod, and now we're talking on-chain luxury media distribution and all of the things. So I'm very excited to have you back on the show, Steph.
1: Chase, I'm so excited to be here. I love that you texted me, I don't it was like five o'clock last night or something, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm on. Let's do this.
0: We're making this happen, 1,000%. You were like, yes, which I love. Um, for people who aren't familiar with you, Steph, maybe you can give some context on your background, how you got into crypto, what you've been working on in crypto, all of the things.
1: Totally. Uh, so I got into crypto in December 21. So I'm kind of a crypto baby, uh, but definitely like at the height of the bull market and um, started off working with C Club. Uh, I was there for about a year and a half ish, uh, leading media, super, super like dope place to be at that time, I mean, still is, um, but really came up through that network. Um, and yeah, since since then, you know, was had, had the privilege of working alongside, um, you know, over 100 of C-Club's um, uh, cohort members. So what, what C-Club does is they're a, a Web3 Native Accelerator. Right now, they're um, positioning as a consumer crypto accelerator, just super exciting, uh, sort of, you know, slight pivot or, or, or widening of the lens of their focus. Um, but in that time, I had the privilege of working with all these um, uh, portfolio projects and was noticing a lot of patterns around on-chain media and media in general. And you know, the space has come so far in a year and a half since I started working at C-Club. Um, and in that time, uh I I left about, I don't know, maybe it's two months ago at this point. And yeah, I'm now the founder of Vessel, uh which I'm sure we'll get into, uh which we can sort of, yeah, TLDR uh describe as a um a, a branded on-chain media interface, uh yeah, specifically for uh brands and creators.
0: Yes, I cannot wait to get into Vessel and what it means to sort of like own your interface and distribution for on-chain media. But I guess before we even you know dive into all of that stuff, maybe it's worth talking about on-chain media in general. I feel like this is a meme that's been pushed over the last few months. Um, I had Jihad on a few episodes ago to talk about luxury media, which I know we're gonna talk about today as well. Um, but maybe just like at a high level, you can give some context on what the hell on-chain media is and why you think it matters.
1: For sure. And big, big shout out to Chihad. I mean, come on. We love Chihad. We love him. Uh, and <laughs> we love him. Um, also, my I, I was recognizing my voice is a little raspy because I'm uh, just coming back from FWB Fest, shout out fest. Um, but yeah, on, on chain media. So um, what is on chain media? Um, that, I feel like my answer to that question has actually evolved a little bit in the last year and a half or so, but, um, you know, at this point I would, the definition I give for on-chain media, um, is the, you know, the actual, uh, like, Things that, that we put on chain. So whether that's a, a JPEG or um, or a video or a music file, um, all those th- those things that we we then, you know, mint directly to the blockchain, that that itself is the the actual thing that is on chain media. But then on chain media as a meme or as a concept is much wider. Um, and I think that's that's the part that I feel super um super excited to explore, you know, on-chain media, I think now can encompass things like, um, you know, your brand, um, your commerce strategy, marketing, um, but it all, of course, comes down to the actual core, you know, thing that the piece of content, so to say, that you're putting on-chain. And yeah, why does on-chain media matter? So I feel like if you, again, if you'd asked me this question, or if you asked anyone this question really like a year ago, the... The answer, I think, we all would have had would have been that the um, proceeds or the or the the monetization would go directly to the creator of the actual on-chain media, and that I feel like that's a, still a critical component of uh, of the the uh, importance of on-chain media. But I, I think there's there's so much more about why on-chain media matters, and for me, um, you know this. I firmly believe that, like you know, the core product of all modern brands is media, and for the first time, that media can be productized. So, what does that actually mean if we if we pull it apart? Um, you know, you can't, you can't be a modern brand without having some sort of content or social media strategy. So you're, if you're, you know, web two brand, you're using things like, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the blue chip, LinkedIn, and you're creating content. You know, you have a content strategy and that bleeds into your marketing. It bleeds into your go-to-market. Um, and, 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 so now, for the for the first time, that actual media itself can become a collectible product, right? So, um, let's say I'm going to use. I, I like to talk about Quip, my toothbrush, um, and you know, the the actual product itself is the toothbrush, uh, but the higher level, the thing that, the, in my opinion, the they're actually selling you or is is an identity, um, and they do that through their media. They do that through the 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 brand and the narrative and the storytelling. And previously, the only thing that I could actually Um, owner, the the only thing that was actually productized through Quip was the physical toothbrush itself. But now with with crypto media, with on-chain media, you can actually productize the narrative, you can productize the media itself. And what you know, what does that look like exactly? That's you know, collecting collecting NFTs, open editions, um, various other things, which we can get into some more of on-chain media strategy. But that to me, that's just such a huge unlock for how brands build relationships with consumers, what the next era of commerce will look like and the next era of brand building. Yeah, I I think that's a a fascinating way
0: to see a lot of the stuff and and it feels like some of it also Built on or is congruent with like Toby Shoren's life after lifestyle piece. Um, and so I, I think that makes a ton of sense. The thing that, that comes to mind for me is also like, what types of brands is this most um, compatible with basically? Like, Quip doing on chain open edition seems like interesting curious how that would go. Um, and so do you think this is something that like lends itself well to, I mean, I would guess media brands, but, but other types of, um, companies and brands better than others?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're still in the, the, we're still early. We're so early phase of on-chain media and of crypto in general. We're so early. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to, I'm actually going to like jump back in time for a quick second and, um, talk about sort of early days of social media. Um, and you know, I, I came into, um, came into the world of, I mean, I've I've always been online. I was always writing on Zanga, was always creating things on MySpace. Um, I'm 34, so I've, Um, I've seen a a few different iterations of the internet. Uh, But I, but I was there when, you know, when social media became a thing, when Instagram was launched, and, um, and it changed as someone who was who was in brand building, it changed the way that we build, built brands, and it changed. um, You know, suddenly, we, we, you know, you're building brands originally, which you had a logo, you had, you know, some physical product packaging, but now all of a sudden, you had to have um, a content strategy. And so you had to, like produce assets like jpegs or video or you just had to produce content um and we didn't really know what the implications of that was going to be we just knew that it was something we had to do because you could, could you could connect directly with your customers um but what we saw uh, over time, with um, social media and then also with email marketing, uh, was the creation of direct-to-consumer uh, commerce, so direct-to-consumer uh, brands, and that is an enormous industry. I think I, I was like look, trying to look up the actual value, and I think it's somewhere around like a hundred billion right now. So it's huge, but you know, back in like, I, I, like, let's think about the actual timeline, you know, maybe 2011. Um, that was still a very novel thing, this idea of DTC. Um, and then you had things like Everlane. And then I talk about Glossier, you know, Quip is another great example. These brands emerged uh, out of out of the um, technology of social media and email marketing. So when people ask me today, like, okay, what kinds of brands, you know, like, who who should actually be putting their media on chain, who should have an on-chain media strategy? I think that there are where we're in the part of the market cycle where there's a very niche um, sub, you know, niche set of brands that can effectively launch an on-chain media strategy right now, and we are going to see we're going to see more and as as our understanding of the technology and the opportunities and as more consumer behaviors emerge, we're going to see more and more brands understand the power of this, and I also think that. You know, again, we no one could have predicted direct to consumer, um, so I feel really curious to see what is Web three, the Web three native version of direct to consumer that'll emerge out of on chain media. So. Um, yeah, you know, should Quip should Quip be putting stuff on chain? I don't know. Probably not right now. But there is some, you know, th- there are brands already that are um, engaging in collectible media, and you know, Vessel, of course, we're gonna we're gonna um, push that forward. We're gonna run our own experiments on how we might, uh, yeah, how we might emerge some of those novel consumer behaviors.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess what's interesting is like the thing that comes to mind is as what feels like it is becoming uh, uniquely empowered by something like on-chain media is like effectively cults and I'll use the term cults in a way that's you know positive connotation cults but like I think media um, especially in the way that you describe it in terms of like another way to think about brand and and this like sense of identity um, is just that media proliferates uh, a sense of shared identity among a group of people and I think cults uniquely do that well Um, and so it kind of makes me wonder like how hardcore can internet cults get when you have on chain media as the way of making them sustainable?
1: yeah, a hundred percent I know that um yeah, maybe maybe toby maybe Toby and I need to record a conversation too just because there's so much overlap with um life after lifestyle here, but yeah, so when I think about the the you know infinite proliferation that on chain media enables, there's some we currently have some barriers to that, which I'm sure we'll get into around interfaces, but Um, yeah, I kind of want to pull it back into the real world as to, to, to create a more legible analogy that I think most people can relate to. So, I mean, right now you see, I'm wearing my boys club hat, like this hat um, has seen so much. It's like so weathered and like, (laughs) I'm kind of into it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, if I think of my, if I think of like my physical body as a version of an interface um, and, you know, I, I, I talk about my, I have this set of socks, they're pleasures, socks, pleasures, the streetwear brand. And the socks are really, just like simple. They just say pleasures on the side. But I feel like I am in some ways, like participating in the creation of meme or of cult um, in wearing those socks. And that if I see someone uh, wearing a pleasure shirt, like I'll for sure go up to them and be like, I like your shirt, like six shirt and, or I've had people come up to me and say like, yeah, sick hat or like six socks. Cause they recognize the brand. Um, and so that's, I think about that, that sort of like user behavior that happens in real life and on-chain media is, is just another version of that, but it happens digitally. And I want to really caution us in, um, thinking about the proliferation and sort of like cult or brand building within on-chain media. I want to caution us in like pigeonholing that into some idea of a metaverse, because I don't think that that is actually the thing. Like, I don't think that mm-hmm. we are gonna literally skeuomorphically recreate our physical body interfaces in some sort of digital metaverse. Like, I don't think that, like I talked about this with Gabby Goldberg about how I think about um, open edition NFTs as like stickers. I don't have my water bottle here, but um, like I, I use my, my physical water bottle as a like, there we go, yes. <laughs> This is what I'm talking about. We need—it's the vibe. Um, but in some ways, like that's—that's that's a version of like social proof, right? You're carrying your water bottle around. Like I ran into um, uh, Anthony, who's. Um, Doing future tape over at Zora, I like sat down next to him at the airport um, in LAX, and we. Just, I was like, "Oh my god, wait a minute! Like, we're homies on, online, or we know the same people." And and he gave me a Zorb sticker, um, and I put it right in my water bottle. And and just to think of the the both the the narrative that goes behind that's the story of that sticker, the um, social signaling that happens with that signal on my, sig- sticker on my water bottle. Um, I there's it's so analogous to the opportunity we have with on-chain media, right? So like I have, I literally have a Zorb in my wallet and now I have a physical Zorb in my water bottle. And the social signaling that happens with, with both are, you know, there's just so much opportunity with how we can enable that um, on-chain. But the current barrier to that of course is, is the interface. Like how do you make that legible? How do you make that visible? And I don't, I don't actually think it's some sort of, you know, virtual metaverse thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel
0: like we're we're done with the metaverse situation like that. It, oh, it came, it went, it saw, it conquered. It. It's, yeah. Let's put it to rest a little bit, only in the sense that, like, to your point, I mean, maybe one day we'll have something like it, but it, it does feel much more likely that bringing some of the digital components into our physical world is, like, much more interesting, at least right now. I remember back in, like, 2021, I was very obsessed with this idea of, like, NFT wearables, which isn't, like, you know um, physical item associated with NFT necessarily, but like digital items that you can wear that project things, which I think gets into this question again around interfaces, which is like, there is so there's an abundance of data on chain. And so me knowing that you collected a certain piece on mirror is like, what are the odds that I'm looking through all of the things that you've collected? Um, And so I'm curious how, I mean, at Vessel, of course, you're thinking about this, but like broad strokes, I'm curious how you're thinking about interfaces and taking like abundant data and making it so that like there actually is high signal and not a ton of noise.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I've, Gabby, shout out to Gabby once again. Um, Gabby said this thing to me in, I think it was ETH Denver, uh, Gabby Goldberg from TCG Crypto, that all, you know, that she planted the seed that block explorers were media companies. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, hold on. Like this, that is juicy. Um, And I've really come to believe that effectively, you know, all of us building consumer facing products um, that are, you know, interfaces or front ends that we're we're basically just interfaces for a block explorer. Um, And that's, that's a little bit of what Vessel is. Um, And so, but to your question, like there's so much on-chain data, there's so much noise um, that I think that the, the the sort of moat that we have with those of us who are building product and crypto is the, the curation and the sort of aggregation and how we're going to do some sort of sense making for the specific um, community or target demographic or audience that we're building for. Um, and so with Vessel, you know, our... Our our thesis is that, you know, on-chain media is the next um, iteration of brand building, which is going to emerge the next iteration of commerce, um, have specific interest in brands that are uh, emerging super dedicated fan bases or super dedicated communities. And, um, and so that, that'll naturally curate who, um, w- what kinds of brands we onboard on vessel, but then it'll also naturally curate the the type of media that we, um, that, that we push forward to the the vessel front end, um, and, and who, yeah. And, and who, who we're serving. Um, because I think that that curation is so is so critical and it's partially what I think has made, us so exhausted by platforms like Twitter and and Instagram is that there is no curation, it's fully open, anyone for the most part, um, can go and and build, build a profile on Instagram or Twitter and can post content. Um, and so there, you know, this idea of brand safety comes into, comes into play and there's very, very little brand safety for most brands on, on these, uh, blue chip web two platforms. Um, but I think that we have an opportunity in crypto to, um, you know, like, I think that we'll, we'll have multiple, like, um, uh, like industry or vertical specific interfaces for for media or, or for whatever the specific um, type of user engagement we're trying to um, enable. Yeah, I think the curation piece makes a
0: ton of sense. Um, something that does come to mind is I saw this tweet that was like a bored ape on like a shirt at Walmart or something. And it was basically like, this is what you get when you open up IP. Um, and so I'm curious how you reconcile this dynamic where it's like, Things need to be heavily curated, especially with the abundance of data we have going on. And IP is often open; anyone can print a T-shirt with a noun on it and sell it. And like, there's this sort of lack of uh, lack of curation in a way.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I I feel like I, I'm not a super expert on on the IP tension. I feel like oh, that just that's such a it's just like such an age old, um, you know, media brand conversation. I think about, you know, minions when minions came out and I mean the Barbie movies, another great example, just like the level of forking and sort of like open, um, I'm going to use this phrase and Toby, please forgive me, but the sort of headless brand that sort of comes out of you know, that, that like open IP. Um, yeah, I mean Maybe maybe to sort of take it out of the specific IP conversation and bring it more to just like how do we how do we um, build meaningful brands how do we build community and I think that when when we look at it from that lens um, it's really about knowing who, who the what market or, or who are you actually building for um, and you know for for board ape I don't know this. Um, Precisely, I, I, you know, don't know the board of founders, but my sense is, is they're, they're building for mass distribution. They're building for, um, just like having, you know, a lot of people, um, uh, like, you know, maybe, yeah, just having a lot of people proliferate this meme. Um, and that's one strategy, right? Um, I don't, for me, that's not the most compelling strategy. And I think there's actually way more value to be made in, um, really building for a, um, a niche and sort of high LTV, uh, like customer base, which is like kind of, which is, which is always the brands that I felt most aligned with. And then, Anytime that a brand, you know, goes public or um, just starts adjusting their strategy, it becomes really obvious to me, and they, um, to, they, they sort of lose me as a consumer. I think Glossier is actually a really great example of that, um, and Everlane too. Like I, I was super early on both of those, um, and then you know my my brand attachment like nosedived once they, um, sort of widen their distribution, but that's fine. You know, that it's, it's just a matter of like alignment between brand and customer shifting. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I personally am way more interested in the, the brands that are building really, um, like high value culturally enduring product. Yeah. I think another interesting
0: dynamic here is like, it feels like in the early stages uh Brands like Glossier, and, and I think to some degree they still do some of this, but the existence of the brand was very much a conversation between the consumer and the brand itself. Um, and it feels like that changes over time as you scale, where like those that two-way conversation becomes much more challenging. And so I'm curious how you think about that level of co-creation in the context of building brands that people love or building cults and how <laughs> cults, you know, do or do not scale effectively when it comes to this like co-creative process.
1: Totally. I love how cults just like keeps finding its way back in. Yeah. I mean, right. In the early days of Glacier, um, yeah, I felt, you know, going back to this like high signal inside joke, like I would carry, you know, any, the, the, um, Glossier Boy Brow was like the, the first thing that I bought, um, was just so obsessed with it. And anytime I'd be with friends and I'd pull it out, it was like a conversation piece. Um, and I definitely like got my friends to, to buy it. I think I had a similar experience with Haley Bieber's road, um, lip, peptide treatment. Um, there was a whole moment with like the, you know, on, on crypto Twitter and at, at uh, East Denver where, um, I was just like, guys, this is like the best product. And it, it really was, I'm still a big fan, but, um, yeah, you know, in the, in the early days of Glossier, I remember being able to email, um, email Glossier. And I remember once I was like, guys, like you've, you've launched, um, uh, generation G the lip stuff, you had cloud paint, there was boy brow, and these were all super, um, uh, in my opinion, like revolutionary, um, uh, beauty products. I was like, when are you guys going to come out with a lash solution? And I specifically used lash solution because they were always like sort of the anti-makeup makeup company. Um, which, you know, I know that they got some flack for like, yeah, they're made for people who have flawless skin already, but I think they're sort of doing a better job of, um, breaking down that myth. But I remember getting an email back from, you know, whatever, you know, customer sales success person they had on on the other side, and they were like, "Here's here's a ten dollar coupon. Um, keep an eye out for something in the next couple of weeks." And then, wouldn't you know it, they launched a a, a mascara like a few weeks later. Um, and so that yeah, that so that's like one example. I think also like in the early days, um, you like you could post about Glossier, you could tag them, and they would they would put your stuff um, on their Instagram, and you just felt you really felt like, um, part of the inside of this, whatever, however you want to define that community, that, that beauty community. Um, and yeah, and so I, I, but, but that's sort of, that's sort of missing now, you know, you go to the, you go to Glossier's page and it's, I, I just feel disconnected from, um, from the original promise of that brand, which again, like no knock, right. That's sort of what happens when you get to scale. Um, and it's just, and then, but that's made it more exciting for me to go shift and find other smaller beauty brands, you know, Kiki, um, Kiki world, uh, they're, they're working on the sort of next iteration of what co-creative beauty products could look like, but, um, pulling it out of beauty and just thinking about brands in general. Um, yeah, I think, I think the one thing I do want to caution us around is like, I don't think the thing that, that we are actually moving toward is like, um, but sp- like, yeah, like specific product co-creation necessarily, because that, you know, when you're making product, you have to you have to move agilely. You have to be able to, to move quickly and, and make decisions. And like design by committee is just the worst. <laughs> it's the death of everything. Um, but I think that the actual building of a brand is is where it becomes collaborative i see this with boys club like they're really good at um you know they they have a really clear voice um that comes out of like the boys club twitter instagram but what they're really good at doing is um you know retweeting or quote tweeting or reposting content of the members who are proliferating the meme in their own way so like I have my own way of proliferating the boys club meme. I was at meme. I was actually making a joke at FEST that I felt like I feel like I'm weird Barbie in Boys Club. I'm like <laughs> the one who's like tattooed. Sorry. I've got like the like dirty hat. I like you know smoke cigarettes every once in a while. But but like I'm I feel like a part of the Boys Club brand, right? Um, so I think so I think about that uh, you know in terms of the how we can be collaborative and go create. <laughs> Chase, you're losing your mind right now. So
0: For funny. people who don't know, weird Barbie is like who haven't seen the movie. Bar- the weird Barbie is the one that like like it's fucked up when you play with it and she like can do like the splits in a fucked up way and her hair is
1: crazy that's
0: really really funny
1: I really I I I see you Kate McKinnon like this is so good (laughs) but yeah
0: I do love that like there's a there's a level of co-creation just in terms of like the vibe that you bring and how you shape the culture as individual members of a community. Um, I feel like this is where luxury media becomes interesting when we talk about like what it looks like for these things to scale. To me, luxury media is very much like not scaling, actually, to some degree, like it's this level of... um, of you know, this is a small and curated group. This is not a commodity, which I think you start to commoditize things when you scale. And so, I'm curious when you think about you know all of these these aspects in the conversation of like what on chain media looks like. Luxury media feels like it's this thing that emerged as what Web three kind of like uniquely enables. Um, so, I'm curious first, maybe how you define luxury media.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I oh, I love that you say that luxury media is something that Web3 specifically enables, because I totally agree. Yeah, I, I think it's good for us to define what what I mean and what we mean when we talk about luxury media here. So I think there's a lot of ways to define it. Um, and the way that I define it is basically that, you know, luxury media is something that is... Um, I like to say anti utilitarian. But what that really means, it's like luxury media is is not about utility. There is some media that you know, is informational or um, is it has some sort of like membership or unlocks x, y, and z. But luxury media is really all about um, collecting and or experiencing media just for the the sake of its like aesthetic beauty of the way that it um, supports an aspirational identity, um, and and you know why why call that luxury? Um, well, if we think about luxury retail, um, you know luxury luxury retail, you bring in you bring in the price point here as the the sort of moat to like brand safety and protecting the actual value proposition which I'll put a pin in we can talk about how that actually doesn't matter for um on-chain luxury media but um you know luxury luxury retail the actual utility of the thing like let's just use a, a Louis Vuitton bag for instance what does a bag do it's it just holds things right it holds things and maybe there's a strap to put on your body so there's really no like d- meaningful utility difference between a Target bag and a Louis Vuitton bag. And there's definitely no increase in in utility, com- like relative to the increase in price point. Um, but what you're paying for with with um, with Louis Vuitton, you're paying for social status, but you're really paying for narrative, you're paying for a sense of identity about who you are, who you want the world to perceive you as. Um, and so with media and luxury media and on-chain media, the collection of, um, of on-chain media really um has should we, we have the opportunity to, to bring that level of like identity building um and narrative building there and so that's that's why we, we've sort of like co-opted this idea of luxury and plopped it onto on-chain media
0: yeah i want to talk about this element that you kind of uh alluded to around like luxury doesn't need to mean super expensive which i think is definitely the connotation of that word outside of this use um Maybe some you can add some yeah. clarity on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know that Jihad um, was getting into it with Vitalik on Farcaster about this. <laughs> yeah, G- was like screenshotting iconic. and like panic. Yeah, iconic. He's like, "What do I do?" And I'm like, "Oh man, <laughs> um, this is this is juicy." You're getting into it with Vitalik. Um, yeah, yeah. So right, if you know luxury retail uh, in you know, outside of web three, the, the moat is the price point, right? I actually don't own any lux, like any sort of high fashion stuff, um, because it's, it's, uh, it's, um, inaccessible to me because of the price point. So, but the, if, yeah, in, in, in web, in web three, like Luxury media can be free. I mean, open, open editions are luxury media. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because what is an open edition doing? Um, it's engaging in narrative building. It's, um, supporting you in some sort of aspirational identity. Like I love Zora as a great example. Um, I collect pretty much any open edition that Zora puts out, and also a bunch of the other folks who are on the Zora team. Whenever they put out an open edition, I do the same thing. I collect their stuff, and and that really comes from my interest in building a personal narrative about who I think who I am, or who I think I am. That I'm like aligned with creators that um, I want to be perceived, and also be participate. A participant in the sort of like, you know, next iteration of culture and art on the internet. Um, And so to me, that's a, that's a luxury experience. I will say that. um, So, so it's, it's an aspirationally luxury experience. The actual mint experience, Mm -hmm. the digital interfaces that we have now are not super, they they actually don't feel like super luxury experiences, which is something that we're, you know, we're, we're hoping to solve with Vessel. Um, But, but yeah, so, so yeah, luxury, luxury media let's it's it can be free doesn't have to be but it totally can be
0: I think the other interesting element here is that in some ways I think luxury is actually more referring to access in the sense that you are plugged in enough to a scene that you would Mm. come across even the ability to mint something um which feels like a uniquely, I would say, luxury experience in the sense that it's aspirational, but like not everyone is aspiring to to that identity, partially because it's just not their you know, thing, but also partially because like it requires a level of your own personal curation um, in order to be like, oh, you know, Peace No did this like cool, weird mint. I'm going to mint it because I really fuck with his stuff. But, like, in order to to be in a place where I'm even seeing his stuff, I have to, like, know and follow him on Like, that's a certain scene. Um, so it feels like, to me, that's the other element of luxury there.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, and I love your use of the word scene there because that also feels super relevant. Um, yeah, and I mean, well, and, and this gets into conversations around distribution and discovery, which I don't – I don't know if we want to get ready to go there. Um yeah, I actually I actually want to turn the table on you and and bring up this thing that you said in broad, at broadcast summit in New York City around the tension between web two distribution and um and like our, our crypto native networks that we're building. You like you I think you just yeah. You wanna you wanna just bring it into the yes. combo?
0: <laughs> well, so I think ultimately like this feels like a tension to me about web two and web three more broadly, which is that. We can put media on chain. We can do this like interesting luxury media stuff. I think what we haven't seemed to solve for and what I'm not convinced Web3 is even really well suited to do is distribution and discovery. Um, The aggregation of content on platforms like TikTok enables incredible distribution. So when you're a creator, the, the ROI on creating is actually quite high because you have enough of a network effect on these platforms that like they can, TikTok can push your content and you can get traction. I think what what stands out to me about Web3 is that we can create incredible media. It's still pretty unclear how we would handle the distribution of that media, particularly in like the, in the context of being like, it's worth creating a brand that people will actually consume. Um, because I know it's going to get somewhere. And that to me right now, you know, Twitter is basically our primary distribution network. And so mm-hmm. we're like, fuck web two, da, 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 da. But then we're like, oh, by the way, Elon Musk, like, please stop, please stop fucking me over just because I have a link in my tweet. And so oh, to I me, know. that feels like kind of an unsolved issue and an open question in the context of how we make these things uh, work.
1: Totally. And yeah, please, Elon Musk, please do not, kill twitter or x or whatever you want to call it like we still really love that platform i mean we, we have a love-hate relationship with it but yeah i that comment that you made at, at broadcast like just hit so hard and yes yeah, so i'm gonna I, i'm just gonna like kind of do like a little brain dump on this and um see if it see if it makes sense uh So yeah, when I when I think about the challenge of distribution discovery uh, in Web3, I actually think about them as two different, two two uh, distinct but parallel problems to solve for. Um, I'll start with distribution. Like, you know, Vessel. Like, we're not here to compete with Twitter or Instagram or Threads. Like, it's just there's no way that we're gonna onboard 10 million users within 24 hours. Like, like what I think that was Threads. Like actual end, end KPI there, which is insane. Um, and, and I, I, I do believe that we're still going to rely on Instagram or Twitter or the blue chip web two platforms for our like widest distribution. Um, and when I think about, when I think about the evolution of commerce or brands, for example, I feel like we've, we've seen this already. Like, so prior to direct to consumer, the only way, you know, your the, the the primary distribution was to get into like an aggregate retail store, so like department stores or Walmart or or whatever. Um, and now and then DTC, you know, does does like Glossier or any of these other DTC brands? Do they have the same level of distribution that they would have gotten if they were in let's say a bigger like aggregate retail no, definitely not. What they did get was higher lifetime value customers higher customers with higher LTV. So again it, it sort of comes down to like what is what is the thing that you're trying to um, you're trying to optimize for um, and so with web 3 like I think that there are board a Board Apes, like like they are trying to, you know, I'm assuming here, but trying to optimize for the widest distribution possible. So does it make sense for them to be on a tiny platform, like, you know, Farcaster or, you know, Lens, I think is an interesting kind of secret third thing. But um, it it probably doesn't, right? Because they're, they're trying to optimize for something a little bit different. Um, And, and yeah, so I, and, and if we think about the evolution of, of some of these DTC brands, um, you know, Glossier is now in Sephora. So they've, you know, I don't, I don't know what their maturity of the brand is at this point, maybe 10 years or 12 years, like, oh, okay, so they're changing their strategy at this point, right? Which, which makes sense, they're an older brand. um, And, but, but I think about where we are now in Web3, we're still in the like, thousand hundred true fans phase where we really want to be building for the highest LTV that we can. Um, and then maybe at some point when we have more user, you know, more more user usability uh, in however many years. Three, five, two. Who knows? Maybe then um, distribution strategies might might adjust. Um, so, th- so that's my take on that. Like vessel, we're still going to use Web two um, uh, distribution for sure. Um, but then discovery, discovery feels again like a, a adjacent but separate problem. Um, so when we think about discovery, there's you, you know that really again comes down to strategy. Who are you trying to find? Um, and you know using using Web two platforms for discovery in my opinion, is like not actually how I discover things. The way I discover things is through my friends. It's in the group chats. It's in the, it's at Fest when I'm talking one-on-one. Um, and so that actually doesn't require super big distribution platforms. What that requires is curation and finding the right people. So, um, yeah, so so like that's sort of our our thesis at Vessel too. It's like we're going to create a, a a platform, an opinionated um, interface, an opinionated platform that will hopefully uh, communicate to people using it that like yeah, this is this is what you can expect here. This is what you can expect to discover. Like I think about um, this brand Sense S S E N S E like it's a, it's a, um, you know, sort of pseudo luxury, pseudo luxury, like streetwear, um, high culture, uh, site, uh, fashion site, retail site. They're an aggregate retailer. You know, they, um, I think they do lots of collabs with their brands, but that's where I, that's where I look to find most of my, um, most of my fashion. And, um, and then what is that other than a it's a it's, you know essentially a blog with an e-commerce experience um but it's small I, I I don't know what their actual distribution is, but it's you know they probably have super high l t v and and a more niche customer base than again like a Walmart or an amazon
0: yeah, totally um on that on that note, when you're talking about vessel and like curation um I know it's still we're still so so early, but um are you thinking vessel will be the curator itself are you going to have individual curators because obviously different niche you know um different niches even within web3 have like very different vibes and very different types of on-chain media that people would be collecting um and so i'm curious how you're thinking about who's doing the curating and how many different little subcultures you're tapping into
1: That is such a good question. Yeah. You know, to, to start, we're going to sort of, we're going to take a fairly, um, um, a fairly like, uh, white glove approach to curation. And it's, it's really going to be with, you know, with me and, and the, and the vessel, um, the vessel team and the people within the vessel network, which, you know, what is the vessel network other than sort of my network and the team's network? Um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to keep it, Keep it pretty close to home. Keep a really high thesis on who should be on the platform. Um, I've seen I've seen other products, other teams, um, make the mistake of of opening up too early and then basically diluting the value uh, the value proposition of the platform. So I really want to protect against that. Um, I think it's especially important with, again, just like there's so much noise out there. I mean, I'm really thankful that we're building in a bear market, actually, because it's I just feel like we're it's much easier to keep that level of curation high. Um, But I see, you know, and I don't know what the timeline is like six months, a year, two years, whatever. Um, There there is a huge opportunity for other curators or other micro communities to emerge. Um, But I to start. Yeah, we're going to be pretty protective about who we bring onto the platform and and. because you know we're and this is this is related um, we are so early so a lot of the a lot of the brands and the creators that we're talking to they there's like a tiny subset who understand the value of on-chain media and who are doing it great Super, you know shoe in we'll build we can build bespoke front ends for them and then there's a next a next set of uh, potential users you know brands and creators that understand the value of on-chain media they have they already have robust brands. They have strong um, audiences or, or communities or fans, but they don't quite understand how to like how to create or design a, um, an effective on-chain media strategy. And they also may not have the financial or personnel resources to execute on it. And so, those are the. Um, Those are the brands that I'm actually really interested in is like, let's, let's co-develop what an on-chain media strategy is together and let's run a few experiments on Vessel. Let's learn, let's iterate, like let's let Vessel be the, um, let Vessel and the early brands be the the, like cutting edge of what a meaningful on-chain media strategy could look like. Um, and I think once we once we have those initial use cases and those initial experiments run, I think we'll see ways that other communities might adjust or create their own version of a strategy. Because um, we see this in Web2 that like, um, you know, a SaaS brand versus a DTC brand um, versus a, you know, uh, any, any other kind of brand, everyone has a different kind of media strategy. Um, and so I think we'll, we'll a hundred percent see, um, see these, these like more specific on-chain media strategies emerge as we can, as we understand the possibility of what, um, what on-chain media can actually enable.
0: Yeah. I'm curious when you think about the context of like having an on-chain media strategy, how much some of that is like creating things that are you know worth collecting versus like Uh, I know it doesn't need to be utility oriented, but it does feel like there are things that open up there when you have like, you know, all of the wallet addresses of the people who are super fans of, for example, a podcast. Um, Then you enable things like, you know, what Diana uh, has done Mm -hmm. with rehash with like voting for guests. And so I'm curious how much on-chain media strategy means like literally what media is being minted versus, you know, here's what that unlocks and enables on-chain.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I and I want to uplift what you said there. Like, you know, I know that earlier we were talking a lot about how luxury media is anti-utilitarian, and that's not to say that that like uh, we shouldn't be, you know, making collectible media that has some sort of utility or has some sort of promise of, you know, participation. A hundred percent. I think that that's a strategy, that, and again, we'll see more of these like um, these sort of like threads emerge of, of different strategies. Uh, but yeah, there's there's two things that come up for me there. Um, I feel really, I feel a lot of tension around digital clutter. I don't feel like I have a, yeah, a thesis or opinion on how we solve for that, but it is something that I think about a lot. Um, because I'm a, you know, I'm a heavy open edition mentor. Um, and I have a, it's, it's kind of a mess in my, in my wallet. Um, but I think what that is is actually an interface problem. Um, this is this is like I feel like a lot of people around security or, or data problems in in web in web three are just like zk zk and I'm just like yeah it's an interface problem it's just like my <laughs> my like my just the, the way that I like a race solve it exactly it's you like an like-
0: interface founder being like <laughs> the interfaces will solve it
1: I know exactly um but but yeah so when I like so the, the the example I like to use, and Vessel's going to put out um, our first uh, piece of our first on-chain media campaign in the next um, in the next month or so. Um, I think back to when I was living in New York, um, and you know, thinks underwear, the period underwear. I remember mm-hmm. walking through Union Square. I was in I was at NYU at the time, um, and they had these gorgeous subway uh, subway ads, or these huge, just like square JPEGs um, that were really evocative. They were really simple, though. They you know, like creamsicle sort of background and then a, um, a cross section of a citrus fruit. And so it it just, it it hit you, you know, you're walking by it. It was like visually arresting. Um, and I think about what it would have meant if I could have collected those things on chain, like I would have Mm. loved to. Um, and so, you know, like I, so you know, that's, that's kind of the way that we're, the kind of thread that we're thinking about at Vessel, about our, our specific on-chain media strategy. Um, you know, does Vessel's on-chain media strategy need to have utility? I don't think so. Um, we're really just about you know, brand building and, and creating things that are like, aesthetically beautiful to collect. Something like a rehash, like 100%, the use of on-chain media um, to then enable voting, like, that's just a, another great example of the complete optionality we have with the on-chain media design space
0: the dynamic that that we were kind of getting at earlier but that i want to explore just a little bit there is like so there's there's curation that is intentional curation of you know on-chain media of what you think people would want to mint and then there is kind of this like weird curation as a as a symptom of aspirational identity and those two things feel different in the sense that i can say here's what i think people will want to mint you know, here's the vibe that I'm curating, like that's one type of of feed and and filtered experience um, of luxury media. The other kind is me being like, what has Steph minted? Because that is already highly curated. And so I'm curious how you think about that dynamic of curation, of intentional curation of a vibe versus like aspirational identity means that you are actually curating interesting shit. And so that alone is enough.
1: Totally. Yeah. I, and yeah, I mean, I think about, right. We're we're all, we're all, I mean, we all have the opportunity to be individual curators. Like same thing, right? Like we see this on, we see this in, in simpler ways, like on Twitter, like if someone retweets something, like anything that you retweet, I immediately just give more clout and I pay closer attention to maybe even give that person a follow. Um, yeah. So we definitely see that. Um, and that to me feels closer to the like, you know, what I was saying earlier around discovery that like my, the, my most, you know, efficient or highest value discovery is like the group chats is the one-on-one conversations with my friends. So I see that form of curation aligned on that side. Um, and then yeah, curation in terms of like what's being served to somebody. Um, yeah, that feels like, um, yeah, it just feels like another, um, that, that that almost feels like where you might bring in the sort of co creation of a brand into place, right? So I think about that with Boys Club as one example. Like, um, you know, their Boys Club is is curating things for us all the time, um, and yeah, and and you know, there are individuals who are behind that that account. So in some ways, they're actually the ones curating, but it's still it's still um, you know community, community or, or or, yeah, community culture driven. Um, and so, right with, with vessel, I think about, yeah, we have, I have a huge responsibility. We have a huge responsibility around curation and, and curation at the platform level is, is really actually moderation, um, which is a whole nother can of worms. (laughs) Maybe it's a whole nother podcast. And, um, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it it feels like, it feels like a big responsibility, but really what it comes down to is just like knowing, knowing who you're speaking to, reading the room, you know, (laughs) curation, (laughs) platform curation is really just reading the room.
0: Weird Barbie says, read the room. Um, (laughs) the other, I guess the the other dynamic there is actually partially that intentional curation is almost like just an element of shared identity like boys club is a shared identity versus an individual identity um it's very hard if you're actually deep within curating something to not feel a sense of shared identity not just with the brand that you're curating around but also with other people who you're curating with so i guess the the other way to see that is just like what is the core identity and how many people are involved in crafting it or or are are identifying with that, that core identity. In some cases it's one individual. And in other cases, it's, you know, 10 people who all are bringing something different to the table, but are all identifying as the boys club brand or whatever it might be. Um, which is kind of interesting because in shared spaces, you really start to take on, a shared identity, um, which is your whole point around like being the, the unique individual within boys club that is weird Barbie, but also yeah. like being part of boys club itself. Um,
1: yeah. And maybe per, that's really per what per a per. lot
0: of on-chain media enables is just like feeling like you're part of something bigger, both in your own sense, but also in the sense of some sort of shared identity.
1: That's it. That's 100% <laughs> Co- hundred percent high. Cosign. No, notes. <laughs> Can't imagine a better way to wrap this up,
0: um, Steph. Where can people learn more about you and the wonderful things that you're doing with Vessel and Broadcast?
1: Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm on Twitter at Crypto Honey, which is Crypto H U N three Y, and you can link out to Vessel and Broadcast from there. Um, Chase, thank you so much. I love chatting with you all the time. It's always
0: so fun. I'm still dying at the weird Barbie thing. And (laughs) I'm sure this is not the last time you'll be on the pod. So until next time.
1: Until next time.